to the inaugural episode of the Great Lakes Permaculture Design Collaborative Podcast. This collaborative formed in 2016 to bring together three regional permaculturists to innovate permaculture practices in design and education. My name is Rhonda Baird and I'm here with William Faith and Milton Dixon. And this week we'll be talking about straw bales as a great addition to urban permaculture systems. But before we get into our topic for today, we wanted to check in for a few minutes on just what we're doing, what is new in our personal practices. So Milton, yeah, I've uh, I've been really excited about working with raw materials in the landscape, and I basically took uh, some logs and made it into a shave horse, which is a sort of foot-operated clamp that you can use a draw knife with. Um, and I really I really love. I mean. It's really cool. It's, I made it out of cherry wood, just that that uh, had been downed across the driveway and chopped up, and I just grabbed it and went went to town. And um, uh, it's it's a bit uh, a, a bit ragged, um, a bit jankety in its uh, construction, but but it's it's still functional. Um, You're using that outdoor or indoor? Outdoor. It makes makes quite a mess when you shave shave all the uh, the wood down. You know. Um, I've used them made out of dimensional lumber before. I've never um, worked with with wood that's just been down round wood like that. And I'm wondering also just about drying. Like, has the cherry had time to dry? Or I might I might get some some issues with it uh, drying. Hopefully, it'll be functional enough that um, I can I can kind of uh, use it until maybe you know, something goes wrong, maybe I can fix it, or maybe uh, I can, you know, make, use it to make a new piece, mm -hmm. uh, make a new seat. Um, the, the, an interesting thing that I, that I heard about is letting the, the pegs for the, the, the legs, the dowels, um, letting those dry, and then using green wood for, for the, other, the seat, so that that actually shrinks around the dowels and um, the dowels don't shrink because they're already dried, um, and then makes a, a tighter fit. Mm -hmm. So we'll we'll see. You know, it's uh, it's it's really great to just kind of venture off into this this project and not really know how it's gonna, how well it's going to work, if it's going to work, and it start to come together. Um, and now now I have a a tool that I can use in my home, and and uh, um, really I can I can create things out of local materials. That's that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah, it's really cool. And awesome. It's just, it's good when you can, when you, like, even if it's not perfect, you've created this tool that then you can modify to suit your own needs. I know how to fix it. If it doesn't work, I can kind of troubleshoot and figure out why not. Um, and I mean, that was a whole part of the whole process was, was figuring out, oh, this part's too long. Well, do I need to remake it? Do I make it too, you know, make it shorter? Can I just cut it off? What, what do I do? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been really cool, and in a sense of uh, agency about my world now that that maybe I, I wouldn't have if I had just gone out and bought it. Mm -hmm. Making your own tools, fantastic. So how about you, William? What are you up to these days? Yeah, um, I'm currently about eyeball deep in all things sociocracy. Um, I started uh, taking my sociocracy leadership training last week. 
so I had the first session from that and met the group that we're currently working with, which was just neat. We got, I think, about 12 people, and they're from kind of all over the world. Uh, so it's a neat group. And um, just kind of pouring through the homework and moving that forward, that's been really exciting uh, so far. I'm something I'm passionate about and, uh, and just getting to see how different people implement, getting, you know, some case studies and stories from other people's lives um, and experiences, very, very heartening and very cool. So the energy in the group is really good. I'm very, uh, very happy. I mean, maybe some people don't know, what is sociocracy? Uh, sometimes also called dynamic governance. And it's just a tool for, uh, for governance for groups. Um, anything from communities to uh, like intentional community groups to um, other organizations, nonprofits, and people that are doing kind of just about anything really, um, where people have to make decisions together. Um, and it works off uh, some deceptively, deceptively simple uh, premises, which you know, around um, consent decision making, uh, circle structure for groups, which at first glance kind of looks like committee structure, but um, but a little bit more complex than that. And uh, and there's a level of distributed autonomy within the groups, which is what I think is one of the more attractive features of it. Um, not just that every voice gets heard, but that you have your own agency over the work that you do, and you're not being directed how to do that work by you know higher ups and whatnot. Uh, you're answerable answerable primarily to results um, based on pre-selected you know criteria that you actually have a hand in drafting to some extent. So in that respect, it's it's a much more rewarding way to work, and uh, so and I'm just getting deeper into it as we go. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that's me. Well, for my own part, I have um, been working on the next issue of Permaculture Design Magazine, which is um, on the theme of building community. And so I've got to connect with authors um, all over the, well, mostly in this hemisphere, and um, just really excited about their contributions and the you know really practical things that they shared about building community that they have tested over decades and also just emerging things happening with networks and mutual aid societies and things so i'm excited about that and kind of on a high from all the contact and um inspiration and storytelling that happened there so are you done with it yet yeah i'm i'm done (laughs) fantastic all right yeah. Muzzle, muzzle top. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. well, it's, it's always, it's interesting how I've noticed the things that, that really, I you know, get really drawn to or like, uh, the, you know, that taking a PDC, it's got like that summer camp feel to it. You're just like, even as a teacher, you're kind of like, whoa, what is, this is so cool. You know, so that's really neat that you get to be immersed um, in that sort of thing quarterly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a real um, unfortunate, yeah, to be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a lot of work, too. So It is, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's, you know, it's a tough time of year to for people to be able to, you know, to write when they're wanting to be with their family over the holidays and things like that, so mm-hmm. it's got that aspect to it, too, but yeah, we just, that and I um, got up with my son at midnight took him out to watch the lunar eclipse and we've been playing out in the snow and the kids did a a barefoot run for one block and back to test themselves so we've been enjoying this time yeah it's good very cool yeah so all right so 
So straw bale gardening. Yeah. And as a solution in urban environments. So maybe we should just start with what is straw bale gardening? Yeah, good one. <laughs> um, well, basically it's growing in straw bales. Um, using the straw bale. It, 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 sometimes you can think of it as a version of container gardening in as much as the straw bale is the container. And um, you basically have to introduce a few elements to break down the straw bale, uh, primarily nitrogen and water. And, um, and eventually what happens is the straw bale begins to compost internally and as a result you have a fairly ideal growing medium. Um, and so the reasons that you would use straw bales over uh, another technique is really it's you know, in some cases preference uh, Sometimes you're limited by space in my case. I'm in a third-floor apartment here in hyper urban Chicago And I've got a rooftop um, That I have access to there's a deck um, Outside that I have some space where I have some space. I could have wheeled in a ton of containers and soil and tried to do it that way but what I like about straw bale gardening in particular is that at the end of it all, you, there's no real waste involved. It just breaks down and becomes compost. And um, so I'm kind of, kind of fond of that. Um, and uh, for me, it just proved a, a practical way of working. Um, so I was kind of excited to get into it. I've been doing it for three seasons now. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's it so far. Mm -hmm. how, how, does, uh, how, how does it work with the drainage? Is it messy? What's... You know, what's, what, tell us about that. Um, the neat thing about a straw bale uh, is that you can't overwater. Uh, because of its naturally porous nature, it, everything just kind of tends to drain out the bottom. So if you've overwatered, you'll, there's, there's no real consequence other than the water coming out the bottom. That's not to say that you shouldn't be judicious in your resource use, but at the same time, you're not in any danger of uh, killing anything off or overwatering. It's not, it's not, uh... I mean, a mess other than the water coming out? Generally speaking, and uh, no more mess than you would have in any other garden situation, often less, really. Mm. And uh, another neat thing is that you avoid uh, issues of soil-borne pathogens and things that you know, would be introduced through soil. Um, mm. There's no weeding to speak of, um, although I did manage to get some morning glory in mind. But, uh, but other than that, yeah, nothing, nothing terrible to speak of. So, so where do you source your straw bales and the things that you need for that? If I mean, getting the resource into the city kind of thing. That's, that's the larger question. Um, and uh, I, for me, it was a little bit pricier uh, to go the route that I did because I sourced organic straw bales and oh. I got those from Lake Street Supply here in Chicago. And because I didn't want Roundup um, on my straw bales, since it's coming from primarily wheat crops, you know, and you've got this very heavily modified and sprayed uh, product, I was I went with organic straw bales for that, and um, and it was from farms within a hundred miles, um, is what I was told when I was asking those questions. And um, so it's a little pricier, but yeah otherwise you're if you're doing conventional you're going to get stuff that is more more than likely modified and sprayed mm -hmm. and it might be helpful here just to point out the difference between a straw bale and a hay bale yes where straws usually like a wheat crop or a rice crop you can get different ones but it's usually the same plant that's the stalk is harvested and baled um versus hay could be almost anything that's in a pasture 
is going gone through the same baling process and so if you bring in like farmers oftentimes want to sell spoiled hay for this kind of thing but it is full of weed seeds and and maybe things that aren't so pleasant and it just has the seed head still on it so when you start to water it it's you're going to get whatever the source crop was coming through as well uh, mm -hmm. which if you've ever made the mistake before you only make it once mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah in my own community, I live in a much smaller um, city than Chicago, but we do uh, occasionally a group of people will do a, a, an order and have a farmer will deliver 400 bales of straw that we know the farmer and we know what he's put on his field and then we distribute that um, out to systems for people. So there's probably different ways to access and source bales too. You can also make your own bales. Uh, that's another thing. You can find all kinds of spent material. One of all of our students, uh, Elise, in Indiana, she lived in, you know, it's like a lot of oaks and pines. And so she made bales out of pine needles and oak leaves. And I thought mm. that was a dubious prospect. I was like, how are you going to grow in that? But she actually, she actually got, got yield. It actually worked for her. That's really cool. Yeah. But what, uh, what sort of things are good to grow in it? Have you found? Uh, the stuff that comes through, I mean, mostly annuals, um, being that, you know, uh, you can do some perennial crops that'll work well for you, but obviously if they only last a few seasons. So, you know, your perennial crops are gonna, aren't gonna get a full chance to do what they do in, in a lot of cases, but, um, but uh, lettuces and tomatoes and squashes have just, you know, you get bumper crops of each of them, um, mm. more than you know what to do with. Um, we were pulling stuff off all the time, but I've done all kinds of beans, peppers. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that grow really, really well in there. Um, people have also said that potatoes in particular do very, very well. You don't have to dig them out the same way you would out of soil and nick them with a trowel. You can just literally just yank them right out. And uh, so, but I, ha but I haven't trialed those. But uh, so far, just about everything I tried did really well. Tomatillos, we had bumper crop of those uh, this last season. Um, strawberries do very well. Hmm. Um, those did well. And let's see, uh, I did a lot of, uh, just beneficials and insectaries as well. Uh, I did some bee balm, some echinacea. Um, let's see what else. How many bales do you have? Oh uh, yeah. My bale, my system was, uh, six bales hmm. and, um, Ideally, you want to plant them north to south so you can take most advantage of solar aspect, you know, lengthwise. So you're getting the full hit along the side and you're not shading anything out inadvertently. So the taller um, things are going in the north part of north aspect, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. and, um, and you stack, yeah, you stack accordingly. Um, and uh, so that, that, works, that works well. And... Um, So it sounds like just like perennials are the thing that doesn't really work. Or I, think I, I mean, theoretically they do. Obviously you're not going to do asparagus or anything that takes that long to, to manifest. But, um, but um, short-term things, I mean, strawberries, like I said, do really, really well. And, um, uh, and so, but you're not going to get the chance for them to play out their you know, whole lifespan, as it were. Because uh, you get, they recommend two seasons mm. um, on straw bales. My issue was I had, I was inadvertently forced to do a third season on mine because um, when I was trying to, well, we had that crazy, uh, crazy weather pattern last year, which 
you know, we're mm. still, you know, still kind of, we're, we're going to be seeing more of that. But uh, as a result, a lot of people who were delivering uh, straw and hay were having difficulty. Um, mm. And so um, the organic bales were not coming in and I wasn't going to make the switch uh, to conventional. So what I did was, you know, even though it wasn't advised, I tried a third season on these bales, even though they're starting to break down and look kind of ropey. But I actually did manage to pull a third season out of them and did pretty well. I just did a new flush of nitrogen and new flush of uh, mm. uh, potassium phosphorus, and it it bumped up. So you added some more nutrients. I did. Mm-hmm. Do, do you ever make the pockets? Like you make a pocket for the plant. A of, soil a pot, pocket. Soil pocket, right? Um, first, or, first or do you put it right in? First year I grew from starts and, um, and then last year or second year and this last year I did everything from seed. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, when you're growing from starts, obviously you have that root ball. Um, and so what I would do is just sort of you know, pull out a few handfuls of straw to make space for it and then just seat the root ball down in there, add a little bit of soil and compost on top and that, would, that was it. So mm-hmm. you make a pocket to plant in. Um, other people, if you want to start from seed in the bale, you can do it. Um, but what they'll recommend doing is putting a layer of topsoil on top of the bale and then maybe a sheet of like some paper towels if you need something to put the seed in to grab and then another layer of soil atop that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that'll work. For me, I wanted my, I wanted my seed to be further along. So I, I kind of got everything um, growing a little bit indoor before I transferred outside. Mm-hmm. I let things harden off and then, and then planted in there. So I was making little pockets for everything when I was planting. Mm-hmm. And then there were sufficient amounts of volunteers, both second and third season, things that just came back on their own or that birds assisted with. Mm-hmm. How, um, you said you can't, almost can't water it too much because of the drainage. Um, how often do you water it? How often did like, because of the drainage, does it mean you have to water it more than you would other containers? Yes and no. Um, the, when, and part of it has to do with the age of the bales. Uh, the first season when you get them, they're pretty compressed, pretty tight. And so they retain a bit more moisture than they do in their second and third year. Third year, they're really loose. And uh, so you do wind up doing more watering in the really, really hot months. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but compared to other container, uh, containers, um, yeah, I mean, in my experience, it was, I, was, I was definitely watering a little less in, in bales. Um, and, uh, but uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have any, any issues around watering, whereas I've definitely over and under watered you know, container plants in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can imagine when you're on a rooftop setting where weight is a big issue, the watering, you know, and the, being able to work with a lighter medium like a straw bale versus a soil, the soil really makes a difference. And to that end, I also had limited space, so I couldn't lay anything, everything out, you know, sort of north to south in that way. So what I did is um, I wound up putting down pallets. I put down a tarp first so there wouldn't be any water damage on the deck and then put pallets on top of that and then grouped three bales to a pallet. So I have two pallets of three bales mm-hmm. and, uh, and grouped them together that way. And, uh, and that seemed to work pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, I had all the taller plants on the west side and, you know, shorter ones you know, toward the east and that seemed to work well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about uh, after you finished? Well, obviously, if you spent... If you grew them for three seasons, 
then it was more more, more kind of decomposed yeah. maybe than uh, two season one. Um, do, you, do you know what you're going to do with the waste? Uh, the the you know when you're, when you're done with the full cycle, um, do you have any plans for the, for that? That's the beauty of it. It all composts, so it all just breaks right down and mm -hmm. it goes into yeah it goes into feeding you know, and adding top dressing to any additional crop that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've always found straw bales really useful to use, uh, I, I, but I've always used them. Uh, just either mulch on top, you know, or uh, uh, right now I'm I'm doing a super heavy mulch. I've got a I just moved to a new house and have a a fig tree and a rosemary plant I put in the ground, and I've got them underneath, you know, at least a foot and a half uh, of 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 straw mulch that I'll pull back, you know, later on or in the spring. Um, yeah, before I before I got my hoop house, I used straw bales. I would get three or four straw bales, and I would put them in sort of a like a U shape um, up against the south side of the house, and then I would get um, contractor's plastic and put a sheet of that or doubled it up over the straw bales, and then I used that as a cold frame, and I would use the straw bales um, as insulation and get my starts going in that you know south side sunny warm you know protected space and then uh that would sit that way through march and then i would either use them for mulch or i have done straw bale gardening like for one or two seasons since i've had the hoop house i haven't done that it's been probably seven years or something like that since i've done straw bale gardening so a little rusty on it but it is useful um and in fact because i would throw the straw bales out into as mulch in the garden beds in my system, I like still have one or two heads of wheat that sprout up every year. Like it's gonna, you know, it's not obnoxious. It's like, oh, that's wheat, that wheat's still going. You know, it's kind of cool. Um, it's cool that you yeah. leave it to go. To seed and go again. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but yeah, straw bales are super useful. That's the thing is, I mean, in a lot of cases, you may not have ideal conditions. You know, if you, if you have, like here in Chicago, we have a lot of, lot of soil problems. And so you may not be able to grow in the soil that you have. That's right. So that's where straw bales can come in or if you have a balcony space or, you know, some, you know, and it's just one additional way of working, one technique that depending and on your situ situation can work. And, and I've seen people use them in urban settings where they're renting and they're going to have to move in August or, you know, and then mm -hmm. they can pick them up and move them and take it with them. And they don't have to worry about what, you know, losing a whole season of growing because they're making a move. So, sure. Yeah. Well, you want to, you want to let it dry out a little bit before doing that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what straw bales are definitely heavy. heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Fucked my share of bales in my day. Yeah. No fun. No. Yeah. Well, um, I've enjoyed this. Thanks for hanging out with us at the GLPDC podcast. We're excited about including this in our collaboration. It's kind of a new development for us and hope you find some of it to be useful information. We'll link to some of the resources that we talked about in our notes, and you can find out about our upcoming urban permaculture workshop on March 30th at glpdc.info. 
Um, we also have an online permaculture design course starting the third week of June. So if you found this useful, we would love your feedback, comment, like, and subscribe. Thank you. Bye.